God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So let me ask you that question. What does God tell me? <laughs> well, you know, thunder, lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when did God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So essentially the Bible is a collection of God Conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident. And I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that dream or that thought was actually just me thinking about, oh, that's that's a bad pizza? Jesus said we'd recognise his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. We all know that we should do it. But the question is, how? Prayer. One of the main callings of Christians and the means to relationship with God and making a difference in the world. The question is, how do we approach this mystical activity called prayer? What works and what doesn't? And how does prayer connect with listening to the Holy Spirit? Hi, and welcome to the God Conversations podcast. My name is Tanya Harris, and I'm a pastor, practical theologian, author, and the founding director of God Conversations, a ministry that equips you to recognize and respond to God's voice. Today's podcast is all about prayer, and we have a brilliant guest to guide us. This woman is passionate about equipping and empowering individuals, churches, families, and teams to grow in freedom, intimacy, with Jesus, as well as to build prophetic cultures in the church. She's on the executive team at Numa Church in Melbourne, Australia, and looks after the prophetic leadership of her church. Welcome to the show, Pastor Stacey Hillier. Oh, Tanya, thank you so much for having me. It is such an honour to be here today, especially to talk about one of my favourite topics. Yes. Yeah, so well, it's so good to have you. It took a little while to get you because you're such a busy lady. You've got a big job. I know <laughs> Numa Church is in Melbourne and it's been around for a long time, but it also has lots of other campuses across the world. And I think you have a fairly unusual job because... We hear about job titles in churches, you know, you've got the kids pastor and the executive pastor and the and the small group pastor, but you are the you're the prophetic pastor, right? What's your job title? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so executive pastor of the prophetic pillar, and it is a very unique job title. Um, it's unique for me and my journey to even being in this role is quite interesting, and we might touch on that later. But our church is actually led by a five-fold model. We're one of the only churches in Australia that I know of that's actually structured all their staff, all their volunteer teams around the five-fold model. And so, yes, I sit on the global executive team locations across Melbourne, as well as in Thailand, Perth, Hobart, and just this week, setting off to San Francisco, which is very exciting. As you do. I wonder, I wonder, Stacey, not everyone will understand what you mean by fivefold. They may be having sure. ideas about origami and <laughs> oh, I don't know what else. Um, can you explain a little bit about what that is? Because I think you guys are experts on this. Yeah, definitely. So fivefold is really, I guess, most commonly explained in Ephesians 4, where it talks about when Christ ascended, he gave the fivefold gifts to the church of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, or pastor, 
and teacher. And I guess the easiest way, Tanya, that we describe it is according to the five fingers on our hand. So if the thumb is like the apostle that touches all the other fingers, it gives the thumbs up, the thumbs down to vision where we're heading, their eyes and ears are in heaven. The pointer finger is the prophet, which is my role. And of course, prophets have to be very careful that whenever pointing an an accusation at people, but we're pointing people to holiness, to the word, to hearing from Jesus and pointing the direction of where the church and people are going alongside of the apostle. And we've got the evangelist, which is the middle finger, which extends the furthest out on the hand. This is the person that is so passionate about the lost, about bringing people into salvation relationship with Jesus. Then we've got the ring finger, which is the shepherd or the pastor. We like to say they hatch, match and dispatch. They're the one that's attached to all the relationships and the people in the church. And then the pinky is the teacher, again, able to touch all of the others who really brings the solid foundation of let's bring all of that back to what does God's word say about this? And when all five work together with mutual honor, we believe that we can release the fivefold fragrance of Christ down from the head onto the body of Christ, just like in Psalm 133. And then the people who are part of our church, part of our congregation, can carry the fragrance of Christ into their workplaces, their schools, their homes, et cetera. I love that imagery, the five fingers Uh of the hand. That's really clever. I like that. You know, um, I guess that means that as the prophet, that you are equipping people in your church to prophesy, to hear from God and prophesy. What a great job description. But that's that's really the original description, isn't it, that's come down to us. So. And after all, that's what pastors and leaders do, isn't it? They're equipping saints, they're helping people to be disciples. And I love that you've given dignity to that job description, if you like, in your church. Uh, a bigger question for you, Stacey, how yeah. did you come to do this? I wonder if you're a little, you know, as a young girl, you're going, when I grow up, I want to be a prophetic pillar of a church. Mm. <laughs> what is the story behind Stacey Hillier? That is such a great question. And my answer is a little bit of a surprise because I am the daughter of Baptist pastors. I am absolutely so grateful for my upbringing that was very strong in the word. And I guess looking back now, there was a bit of a disconnect between what the culture of my home was like and how that outworked in some of our services. But I didn't realize that as a kid. So I grew up with the voice of God being very familiar to me, it being normal for me to talk to mum and dad about my dreams, what I felt like the Lord was saying. Um, And yet we didn't see that expressed much in our church service, but I wasn't really old enough to realise there was a disparity between the two. And the way I found out was actually the crash landing kind of way because I'm one of five and I was the one who used to love to get up early every Sunday morning sit in the back of my dad's car, about a 25 minute trip to church. And I was basically having a preaching masterclass because he would practice his sermon in the front seat and I would just absorb it in the back seat. I did this for years. One day when I was about eight or nine, we drove past a brand new IT building that was built near our church, which was actually heritage listed. And immediately when I look at the building, I know that one day that's going to be our church. So I interrupt the flow of my dad's sermon and say, dad, one day that's going to be our church. He's kind of like, okay, 
didn't really say much and got back to preaching his sermon. How old, were you, how old were you, Stacey, again? Eight or nine years wow. old. Wow. Children yeah. hearing from God. That's amazing. And it wasn't like I heard an audible voice. It was just I knew. I just knew that that was going to be what that building was built for, that they thought it was for an IT firm. But I was like, ha-ha, it's actually for our church <laughs> in a very <laughs> simplistic that. way. So fast forward till I'm a teenager and behind the scenes I was, I guess, expressing, trying to figure out my faith for myself and rebelling quietly in the background when one of the elders from our church who was my parents' best friend actually approached them and said, you know, this has happened to me before, but I've had the audible voice of God and what I believe he has said is that we are to try and purchase this building for our church to move into course it was the one I'd seen you know wow. nine ten years earlier and believed God had already spoken about so I was so excited when this came because I'm thinking yes I knew it I knew this was right so my mum and dad were very supportive of what he had received from the Lord in the Baptist church all of that's taken to a members meeting and it was then that things really began to unravel and where we found out that um, many people who we loved and still do to this day just lived by a different theology, that they were actually cessationists who didn't believe that a prophetic word could come. And this was the first time in my life I'd actually bumped up against people um, not believing that God could speak today. I, that was so foreign to me. I'd never heard of that. What actually proceeded to happen was our church split. We didn't buy that facility my parents were out of a job. They moved with my two nice. little sisters interstate and I was left in Brisbane without my siblings uh, determining that I never wanted to hear the voice of God again, that if that's what church looked like, that people talked to you one day and then didn't talk to you the next day, that I didn't really want anything to do with it. And it was a very dark few years in my life as I tried to shut out the voice of God. And Tanya, in I guess what now I look back on and it's just so sad, this man's wife passed away of very aggressive cancer within 18 months and some of those people who were just doing their best at the time actually made statements like that is the consequence of him saying he was a prophet when prophets don't exist anymore. So in a, in a teen's head, prophecy was dangerous, hearing God's voice was dangerous and what I had always known as natural my whole life became something terrifying to me. Wow. Yeah. So to now be a prophetic pillarhead. That's a nasty story, <laughs> Stacey. It's kind of oh, like, oh, wow, no. what God has done, what he's turned uh, around. What do you think is incredible? What do you think happened? Obviously, God was speaking about the building, but people didn't want to hear it. Yeah. I mean, I think that prophetic declaration, prophetic words are invitations. They're not guarantees. They're invitations of the intention of God's heart for a situation, for a people group, for a person, but we have free will. And our belief system, we what we believe about God will determine our experience of him. So if we don't believe that God can speak today, we're essentially saying no to his voice and to his guidance. And again, good people who love the Lord, just a differing theology who don't believe that this is still possible today. And so they made a decision to say no to what I believe the Lord was inviting us to. And 
a, a natural result of that was that a move of God that was genuinely happening in the south side of Brisbane was stopped. And that was very sad. It happens a little bit throughout history, doesn't it? Your story in yeah. some ways is similar to mine. I, I can't, right. I didn't have those kind of experiences as a child. It, it came to me quite logically, actually. Um, in right. our church, we didn't believe that God was still speaking outside the Bible. We yes. lost the Bible. And then yeah. I met a friend who made mm-hmm. claims to God speaking and I thought that was really odd. But then I read my Bible, yeah. I read the book of Acts, and I'm, I'm like, ah, oh, that just seems, mm. what she's saying seems consistent to me yes. and to, um, to the scriptures. And so just logically it, it seemed reasonable. And I wonder sometimes if people believe that God has stopped speaking because they haven't experienced it themselves, or maybe they yes. have experienced it and then rejected it because it's too confronting yes. for whatever reason. Like yes. who, who wants to move out of our comfortable church building to another church building? Maybe that's too big, too hard. Yeah, and I love the way you talk about it, Tanya, even in your book, because the way you describe the way the Lord speaks to you is a very intellectual way. It's not all about feelings and about impressions, which prophetic people talk about a lot. And I love that you are giving a different kind of access point or doorway to the voice of God, because people can often think about the Holy Spirit as flaky or weird or for the fringe dwellers. But I love how John 4 talks about spirit and truth. And it talks about, you know, the wind of the spirit that you can't see where it's come from or where it's going, but you know, it's there. And the truth, the truth of who God is, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. We will know the truth and the truth will set us free. It's this combination of spirit and truth in perfect tension that the modern church is invited into. And I get so excited about it. (laughs) You know what I do wonder as well, Stacey, is that in my experience, hearing from God changes your life. And sometimes it's just easier to stay comfortable in your comfort zone and, you know, not be challenged. And it is, it's, it's easier. Whereas when God speaks, you get these crazy invitations to do things that you would never do normally. And it pushes you out of your regular zone into the God zone, I think. So, you know, perhaps that's another reason. So how did you turn around then? You've had this negative experience in your teens and then Mm -hmm. what happened? So I end up getting married to um, someone I met at basketball, but he also grown up in a Christian family. We weren't really walking with the Lord for the first couple of years of our marriage. And then we actually had an experience um, where we, we had a demonic encounter in our bedroom that terrified me enough to get my butt back in church. <laughs> and so we got back into church. That is one approach, isn't it? It I is often through it. crisis, it, but it is through crisis, right? As happened to me, my my big turnaround was through crisis. Yeah, yeah. And question. it was a very dark season, Tanya, when I didn't want to hear the voice of the Lord. I did. I became depressed. I became paranoid. My body was unwell. Um, I got chronic fatigue syndrome. I just, living without God's voice is not something that I ever want to do again. And what that season did, as difficult as it was, has made me more determined to never live another day without hearing God's voice. And it is such a privilege in what I do do now to invite other people and to help other people to recognise God's voice in their life. 
I love that. Well, we're glad you're doing what you're doing now. In fact, I was listening to your podcast this week. It's a podcast on mm-hmm. guided prayers and it has these beautiful yeah. prayers to help you pray. And that's a bit of our topic today. And obviously what you do is mm-hmm. help people hear God's voice. But within that context, it's all about a two-way conversation with God. It's what we pray to God that's and right. what we receive back. So can you tell us a little bit about your experiences of prayer perhaps and how your passions have unfolded in this area? Definitely. So prayer was definitely a big part of my upbringing and part of um, my Baptist background. Again, I'm very grateful for the kind of biblical prayers that I was taught Um, through that, uh, I guess, upbringing. I was prayed over every night by my parents and they prayed every night that I would have a Deborah spirit. And I didn't know what that meant as a child, but I'm so grateful for that now because I think I'm walking in some of those prayers now. Um, At NUMA, we have a cultural value that prayer fuels power and we are always asking each other the question, have you prayed about it? So we have corporate prayer meetings. We pray at the start of every single meeting we have. You'll see people praying in the hallways, praying in the foyer. Prayer is a huge part of our culture as a church. Um, In fact, just a few nights ago, I was praying for a friend who's moved to the Gold Coast and He was just saying how he had blocked sinuses. And I said, well, let's just stop and pray for that. So just simply prayed, Lord, I pray that there would be a pop in his sinuses and they'd completely clear. And it happened as quickly as that. He was healed as quickly as that. Um, I love that. Yeah, prayer is powerful. But as you mentioned, I think where I've come into a real richness in my prayer life has been by going back and revisiting some ancient spiritual practices like reading the Bible slowly and turning that into prayer. So through Lectio Divina or Ignatian meditation, even things like breath prayers have become a very rich and valuable part of my relationship with Jesus for sure. I love that. Do you have a uh, maybe one of your best experiences of prayer that you could describe for us? Yeah, I would say that there have been times when I've been praying through scripture through Ignatian meditation when I can sense that God is literally gardening my heart. And this could be through reading the scripture just slowly, four times over, out loud, where I'm looking about where the Lord actually, or Jesus himself, compares our heart to soil. And he talks about what kind of soil the word would land on and where he has personally weeded some things out of my heart so that they don't choke his Mm. word in my life. I think when you encounter Jesus for yourself through the doorway of prayer and it transforms you, it changes the way you think and it, it sends you out a different way than you came into that prayer experience, they're the moments that I hold the most dear because I want all of my life to become about being more like Christ every single day. Mm. And prayer is one of the primary places. Prayer, particularly when it's partnered with his word, is the most powerful place that I've discovered to see that transformation happen Mm. in a very intimate way. And that's very much a practice that goes back in history, doesn't it? Ignatius was one of the leading figures in about the 16th century. And he, I think it was, he talked about reading the scriptures as if you're in the scene, didn't he? And reading it through and meditating on it and just letting the truth of that go in deeply. Would that be a good way of describing it? 
Absolutely. Um, he was around in the 1500s, as you mentioned. He lived in Spain and he founded the Jesuit Order of Priests. And he really believed that our imagination, our redeemed imagination, can help us to enter into the events of Jesus' life. And I say redeemed imagination, Tanya, because sometimes when I lead people in this, especially in the Pentecostal church movement that I'm in now, they freak out over imagination. And I think because imagination has led good Christians down some very destructive pathways. And so we want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But it's not that incorrect use. It means that we should throw it out. It means let's just learn what correct use is. And God gave us our imagination and he can use it as a way for us to encounter him. Yes. Um, I write about Ignatius in my book, actually. And I yeah. write about, because yeah. the beautiful thing about Ignatius who developed this practice is that he heard from God a lot. In fact, in fact yeah. so many of the Catholic mystics around that time were mm-hmm. real leaders in this area. And mm-hmm. he, as a result of that prayer life, he started some amazing missional movements across the world that brought the gospel to far-flung places. And he's he's a bit of a legend in my right. mind. But I think um yeah. I think too there's that importance of understanding that that dynamic of meditating on the words of Jesus and then also expecting the spirit to engage at that level. I use the word imagination too. I think the first person I ever heard it was through the theologian Greg Boyd. He used that word and we all freak Mm -hmm. out, don't we? Because we think it means fanciful, made up stuff, but actually it's Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the part of our minds that conjures up scenes, that thinks, and it's in that place that spirit interacts with us, if you like. So it's not a scary place. Our boundaries remain the gospel and Jesus, that's our boundary there. But from there, yes. the spirit works, engages with us. I love that. We're talking with Pastor Stacey Hillier from Numa Church in Melbourne. She runs the prophetic uh, leadership of the church and beyond. And we'll be back right after this break. We're going to talk a little bit more about pro- uh, prayer disciplines. Do those two words go together, prayer and discipline? <laughs> Here we go. We'll see you soon. What does God sound like? How do I know it's Him? They're the questions I asked myself at 21. I'd read stories of God speaking throughout the Bible, but I'd never heard His voice for myself. So I decided to try it out. Speak, Lord, and if you make it really clear, I'll do whatever you say. My new book, God Conversations, is all about what happened when I heard God's voice. It won't tell you how to hear it as much as it will show you. As Jesus promised, we can all recognize His voice and know it enough to follow. Buy it now at godconversations.com. We're back with Pastor Stacey Hillier talking about healthy prayer practices. And obviously prayer is a lifestyle, but Stacey, we've been talking a little bit about some practices as well. Some might call it a discipline. Tell us how you would describe your prayer practices that you engage in. Yeah, definitely. So I think that where the word discipline comes in is that we pray when we feel like it and when we don't feel like it. (laughs) So it's setting a regular daily time for prayer. And the biggest thing for me, Tanya, is not allowing the important to be moved for the urgent. 
Because if I'm living my life constantly reacting to the urgent, then I'm only ever throwing up quick prayers like, ah, help, where prayer is so much more than that. Prayer is a way to hear the voice of the spirit. Prayer is the way to be guided throughout your day to develop relationship, intimate relationship with Jesus. And it is a discipline to pray and to be aware of God throughout the day. But just like in any other relationship, the more we discipline ourselves to nurture and foster that communication, the better the relationship, the stronger the voice recognition, and the more you get to know the person. And I find that prayer is one of the primary ways alongside of God's word where I get to know what he is like. And that helps me then, even as a prophetic person who sometimes has the privilege of representing God's voice, I want to represent his heart well. And therefore, I need to know his heart and connect with his heart. And so that discipline eventually births delight. And the discipline is the doorway to awareness of God in every area of our life every day. Mm, mm. I think it's important too to understand that humans, as humans, we need discipline, don't we? We need the discipline to exercise regularly, to eat properly. Yes. Like, and our spiritual life, our growth will depend on that discipline. Um, I hear myself saying that I've had a bit of a challenge in this area, to be honest, over the years. Growing up, uh, we were taught this, you must be Mm -hmm. disciplined. And I can yes. actually remember being taught that you had to have this amount of time for prayer each day and you'd put your stopwatch on and you'd have to yeah. cover these four bullet points and then you'd mm-hmm. and then you'd write it down and then you'd graph it. <laughs> and I remember, wow. I don't know, I think it's partly my personality, but it became yes. very legalistic for me. And oh, I remember yeah. yep. kind of letting that go and then practicing mm-hmm. that kind of free and easy. Pray as I go, you know, wherever yes. I am, I'm on the, and, and particularly I, I respond super well when I'm moving. So when I'm yes. walking, running, paddling, swimming, yep. that really helps me. I think it's because it means the distractions of my mind are silenced yes. because it helps me yes. focus. So that works yeah. for me. The other thing that works for me is um, music is worship that yes. helps me center as well, particularly the latest Definitely. worship song. I'll, I'll, I'll put that on. And that will lead me into prayer. But do you I think anything like that is helpful? What what works for you? I love putting instrumental music on. Um, because I am a worship leader, if I'm listening to lyrics, I'm thinking about, oh, could that work in church? Or we could sing this here or we could sing that there. And I'm connecting with the lyrics more than I'm connecting with the God of the lyric. And so for me, I have to take away those words and let it be instrumental as I'm praying And what I find happens for me when I have instrumental music happening, I find it much easier to enter even visionary encounters where the Lord can actually guide me about what he wants me to pray about. So he might show me a picture of a person or something they're going through. And I have the privilege then of partnering with him in praying his desire for that person's life or his goodwill, his good intention for that person's life. And they may never know I've prayed. But Mm. I'll know that I've prayed and that Mm. God's heard that prayer and that he's activating things in response to that prayer. So I think um, music is definitely helpful to me. I also do it before my kids are up in the morning because Lord knows not much quiet happening once they're all up. (laughs) Yes, I can imagine. Um, Yeah, and I do not take my phone into that place. Oh, that's good. 
Yeah, oh, we just, I just need reminders that of I get that, too don't distracted. Oh, yes. I'm shocking at this. I'll put the phone yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I was uh, thinking about our listeners and I was thinking about the different challenges we have in this area. And one of the yes. big strengths of your podcast, Stacey, is I think if we're prone to distraction, this is a great yes. way to go down that journey of, of, yes. of praying and what you tell us about your podcast and why you started them. Yeah, so once I started to really find a new rhythm and a new sweet spot in my prayer that nobody had told me about, nobody had taught me this kind of prayer. I'd learned a lot about intercession. I'd learned a lot about petition. Um, I'd been in a lot of corporate prayer meetings, but I'd never been led in this kind of prayer. And once I kind of stumbled on it myself through my own Sabbath practices and research, I just discovered treasures and wells with Jesus that I haven't actually found any other way, let alone it changed my approach to his word because I'm a person who really enjoys to study, Tanya. So what I can fall into is taking God's word and treating it like something external to me that I have to master. So I need to grasp it. I need to understand it. Whereas God's word is something we have to wrestle with and let it form us, not just be information. So can this you give kind me an example prayer, of that? Can you give me an example of that, Stacey? How, what does that look like for you where God's word has formed you specifically? I love what you're yes. saying. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot yeah. now. No, I love that because I think the way we're trained to read every text in our schooling system is information to be grasped and mastered. Whereas Jesus invites us. Yes, we should study his word and studying it. I mean, looking at the commentaries, I use Logos. I look at the study Bible. So I do all the things right. But what I'm talking about here is not seeing the word as external, but allowing it to do what it says it will do. Get on the inside and divide soul and intention and bone and marrow and spirit. Divide it all up and examine my life. And the word picture that's actually painted there you would know is two Greco-Roman pictures, one of a victorious gladiator laying the person who's just been defeated over his lap, throat exposed to take the jugular shot. The writer of Hebrews is telling us this is how we should approach God's word prayerfully with the most vulnerable part of us exposed so that God can form us from the inside out. And so things like Ignatian meditation, things like Lectio Divina, where we find ourselves in the story and how is this addressing my life? How is it addressing my heart and allowing it to change our attitudes? And if you just want to work your way through John, you're going to come out a transformed person. <laughs> I agree. I've seen that happen so much in my own life, I remember. Yeah. Um, and I think too, just interacting with life and seeing what Holy Spirit yes. is saying and connecting back to the truths of, of Jesus and what that means yes. for our lives. I think that the Spirit speaks to change us and uses yes. the words of Jesus to do that. Um, yeah. How does all this fit in, Stacey, with hearing from God? Yeah, I guess it's blended in really. It's, it's hard to distinguish it, but can you expand that a little yeah. bit and perhaps give us an example of that in your own life? Yeah, I know recently an example for me, Tanya, was I was actually um, reading the passage of scripture where um, the man whose daughter is dying is coming to watch, coming to Jesus and saying, please come, my daughter is sick and she's going to, she's going to die. And 
one of the disciples says, or one of the leaders in the church says to the father, look, she's already dead. Stop bothering the teacher. Now this phrase stood out to me and I was like, why, why is this standing out to me? And I've predominantly been raised in the church by strong teachers. My dad's a very strong teacher. Most of my senior pastors have been very strong teachers, more in that grace than even apostolic. And so my identification with a leader is often as a teacher and I have worked hard to never bother the teacher. And sometimes this has led to destructive patterns in my life in terms of um, even stepping into dysfunctional spaces in terms of supporting senior leaders Mm. in ways that are harmful to Mm. my own life and my own family. So not bothering the teacher means for you not asking questions? not asking for things for myself, Mm. making sure I support everybody around me. I've no problem praying for everybody else to receive what they need, but I have a problem asking for myself. And through reading that scripture, the Holy Spirit said, Stacey, we need need to look at that. Why do you only think of Jesus as the teacher and why don't you want to bother him when you know it says ask and you will receive for your good father loves to give you good gifts. And so I really had to look at my perception of the father, of Jesus, and how I approached him in prayer and realized that I approached him as the teacher. Mm. And this was, this was revolutionary for me, Tanya, mm. because wow. when I really thought about it, I, never, I just never wanted to bother a busy God with a mm. lot of people to take care of. And I actually <laughs> just believe so considerate, that Stacey. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I believe it might mean that there's some things I'm not walking in the fullness of yet because I haven't asked. Yeah. Wow. That's profound. Challenging. I love that. Mm. How often does that happen in your life when you're reading scripture? Um, at least every Sabbath. Wow. At least every it's Sabbath. That's good. Yeah. I love that because we're called to grow. We're called to mature as disciples. And this is how it happens, isn't it? Day by day, yeah. week by week as a process. So I love that. You know, I, as I said before, I was listening to Stacey's podcast and I have to say if you're out there struggling with this whole idea of prayer practices and and discipline and hearing the mm-hmm. spirit and engaging your heart in the process, not just your head, but your mm-hmm. heart. And I think that's yeah. what you're saying, isn't it, Stacey? I, yeah. I encourage you to check out her podcast. They're just a beautiful, you, you were telling me before that when you, yes. it comes out of your journals, doesn't it? But then you right. get the idea and then you send it to a musician who writes and composes yes. the music. It's amazing. Yes. Beautifully crafted. So I- and mm. got a beautiful voice for it, Stacey. Stacey, it's been awesome to chat with you today. We have loved having you on. I like the way that you've presented your church leadership and the and the, mm. the fivefold ministry and some of the thoughts that you have about prayer practices and reading slowly and really engaging your imagination. And I, I pray that this is going to be helpful to some of our leaders. Do you want to just finish yeah. off for us, perhaps praying for us in this way, particularly for people who are struggling with prayer? I think prayer can sometimes bring up a lot of issues in our lives, particularly how we see God. And I think um, it'd be awesome just to have you finish off for us, just praying for us. Thank you. So, Father, we come before you now, and I thank you that even as we pray, you are not bothered by the sound of our voice. You love it when we come and we talk to you.
I thank you that you are receiving us now like the father received his prodigal son. No matter what we've done, you throw your arms around us and you welcome us. We remind ourselves now that we can be like the child who climbs up on the lap of Jesus. We can be like John with our head rested against your chest, right there where you can whisper into our ear, we hear your heartbeat, where your heart speeds up, where it slows down. This is how you receive us in prayer. I pray, Lord, that even those truths from your word would be setting people free right now under the sound of my voice, that they might have a new invitation to see prayer differently. I pray for every listener today. I pray that in Tanya and I's conversation, that they would sense the father calling them and saying, I want to hear from you. I want to speak into your life. I want to enjoy conversation with you. I thank you. Your word teaches us over and over again through the lives of the heroes of our faith and through the teachings of Jesus that we would ask and receive, seek and find, knock and the door will be opened. Thank you for the example of Jesus who was often withdrawing to pray and to speak to his father. We believe that we are transformed when we pray. For anybody who is believing that prayer is boring, that they don't know how to hear God's voice, I pray that that would be broken even through these stories and this conversation and that they would sense an excitement about encountering you through conversation. Draw them closer, Holy Spirit. I thank you for Tanya, Lord. I pray your blessing upon this podcast, upon her new book, Lord. I pray that it would bring in a new season of the prophetic in churches all across the globe from every denomination. And we thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that was a great taster of some of your podcast. I love that imagery of curling up on the father's mm. lap. Thank you for that, mm. Stacey. It's been awesome to talk with you. And if you'd like to know more about Stacey's ministry and her resources and her podcast, we're going to have all the details in the show notes. Thanks again, Stacey. Bless you. And we'll Thank see you, you on the podcast next time. Thanks for listening to God Conversations with Tanya Harris. Don't miss the next episode by subscribing to the show on your favourite podcast app. And remember, the Holy Spirit was given so we could all hear God's voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation.